I grew up with a church with an average attendance of about 12 and no preaching. We couldn't support a preacher at that size. But we would have, mom and dad were very faithful. Before I could drive, he would go down and fire up the furnace and make sure the building was warm and prepare communion and all of those sorts of things. And we would have a song service and we would have communion. And we would uh, we would use the standard quarterly lessons. We'd have Sunday school, the singing the communion, and then we would go home. And that was the church that I grew, that's the church that I knew. Now, one of the downsides of being in a church that small is and not having preaching is I didn't hear the full gospel. Hello, everybody. My name is Tom Pounder. I'm the online campus pastor at New Life Christian Church, and you are listening to the Third Chair Podcast. Thank you so much for being with us today. And when I say us, I'm talking about my co-host, Brendan Loveless, and myself, and our guests, who we'll introduce in a second. But Brendan, before okay. you say anything, all right, yeah, all right. this does tie into our guest. What when you think about computers and your first experience with computers, mm. what what comes to mind? What was your that first experience like? Okay, I, I absolutely remember this because I'm I'm part of that generation that like was the last generation that didn't have the internet or cell phones. And so when I was in like second grade, maybe maybe it was first grade even, uh, we we didn't have a computer like at our house. Um, but my friend did, and we would play the Oregon Trail. Oh my gosh! And oh my gosh, I mm-hmm. I loved it, man. Yeah. I, like that's all I wanted to do when I went over to his house is like, let's do this. And it's like, oh, sorry, you died because you got bitten by a snake, or you died of dysentery, <laughs> you know, yeah. or whatever. And people make fun of it now. There's memes about it, and I was like, oh yeah, no, that was actually my childhood. <laughs> um, and then also, my dad he bought uh, a Mac because he was into um, uh, art and did a bunch mm-hmm. of like stuff with hand, but got into graphic design, and so he bought a Mac. That was like one of the that might have been the first computer we had at mm-hmm. our house. Um, but anyways, Tom, what about you though, man? Well, I do remember when uh, my family lived in Germany for a few years, my twin brother and I, uh, yes, I have a twin brother. Um, we had, were part of a computer club and we were, I think in fourth grade at this time. So it's mid eighties, like 1984. And they had an Apple II, I think C or E or one of those things. Oh, wow. And we got to play on the Apple, and that was pretty cool. But then when we came home from Germany uh, in the in the mid to late 80s, uh, we, uh, my first personal computer that we had as a family was the IBM PS2. Oh, my goodness. How IBM, do you even remember these things, man? Well, I, it was just so vivid. I, like, it, was, it was so, so cool for us. <laughs> so, okay, which leads us into... Our guy today, who we got with us, his name is Randy Avis. Uh, Randy, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Tom? I, I, I'm great. And now we got to throw the question to you. What What is your background with computers? What What is the first thing you remember about computers growing up for you? Well, let me start to say that I've always been a geek of one sort or another. <laughs> <laughs> Of all things, and I remember all these ridiculous random facts, one of which was on my, when I was in second grade, you know, on your permanent record, they ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up kind of thing? Uh Or at least they did a hundred years ago when I was going through school. (laughs) And I put tinkerer. I wanted to be a tinkerer. That's what you said? That's what I said. (laughs) And it's actually true because that's kind of what I am today, except I do it electronically. Really? (laughs) Yes. Okay. Okay. So Randy, what? Okay, so then tell us, 
uh, that first computer. The first computer, yeah. Yeah, it's it's not a computer. It was a computing device. Let's call it that. It was a handheld calculator. Sure, I don't know the difference, but let's yeah. go with that. Okay. <laughs> the thing in front of you is a computer. <laughs> the phone is well a lot more than that, but. Um, the original handheld calculators were about the size of a truck and a half of soap. Oh gosh. <laughs> they were very big. The uh, most of that was a lot of that was battery and they still didn't last very long. Okay. The readouts were LED, so okay. that was what burned all the energy. And it was uh built by Hewlett Packard and they used this special kind of note you didn't say one plus one equals to get a result. Okay. You put one, enter, one equals, or one equals, one. There was a different kind of notation that you use. I don't even remember anymore. It was 40 years ago. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. but but you it, they called it stack manipulation, and now I'm getting really <laughs> geeky here. No, but, I, yeah. I, I love it, man. Yeah, that, I, I love it. I don't understand a word you're saying. But, <laughs> I but, like computers myself, and I don't know what he's saying. So. <laughs> oh, this, my gosh. This was really early tech. Uh, and then my first professional job uh, was on a uh, Univac mainframe. We had terminals that we talked to the thing with. And then, actually, my second job was almost a step back because we were actually using punch cards. Oh my You've heard goodness. of punch cards? I, I, yeah. I, I oh, have, yeah. I have yeah. heard of that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. We, we used uh, punch cards to program the computer and, and actually when I was in class, that was all punch cards too. So when I was taking computer courses at Nova, uh, you would spend all this, you spent more time, you know, writing out these coding sheets and and then punching cards based on those coding sheets and you turn them in and you forgot you left out one character somewhere or oh, something like that no. and you lost a day because of that that's the that was life for programmers back in the early 80s why would anyone ever want to do that <laughs> That's how far we've come in with technology, yeah, honestly. With, I mean, this is what's happening in the 80s, and now we're in the 2023. Uh, right. Well, now we're holding like a computer in yeah. our hand, you know, as our phone. Exactly. Um, so, Randy, okay, let's, let's kind of go go off of that a little bit. Let's go backwards, I, I suppose. Um, so, tell us a little bit about your background sure. um, and kind of how you grew up. And, and we're starting to get into that first chair part mm-hmm. of the, the, the story, right? Sure. Of what was your life like before Christ? So wherever you want to start, man, just let, okay. let people know kind of who you are and where you came from. Yeah. I grew up in rural West Virginia. They call it the Central Highlands. Okay. Uh, it was called, it was Webster County, a little community called Bolaire that you actually find it on Google Maps. <laughs> Believe it or not, you can find Bolaire, West Virginia, on Google Maps. But it's you know a very extremely rural area. We were uh, well when I was really young. There were no interstates, but when the interstates finally came in, it was a good hour's drive just to get to the interstate. Wow! And then you know north to Morgantown was another hour and a half or so. Really? So it was you know it was a bit of a drive. Yeah. Um, uh, good things about it is, you know, of course, I grew up close to nature, which was nice. Um, my parents were um, 
very loving people. Mm. I grew up in one of the most loving households you could possibly be in. Mm. And um, I realized after I've talked to some other folks that how very fortunate I was in that. Um, little side story here. Uh, yeah. I went when I was attending a different church years and years ago, we had a leadership team meeting and there were four couples seated at the table. Of the eight of us, I was the only one who came from a family that was always loving and always supporting. Mm. Wow. Yeah, and yes, I'm wearing my emotions on my sleeve. I tend to do that. Hey, uh, no, Randy, I mean, as you can imagine, uh, and you know this, we all know this, like there, the... The statistic of people who grow up in a household where they don't have even two parents in the home now just incredible is in, is staggering. Yeah, incredible in a bad way. I know that's how you meant it, and um, it, I think I can speak for the three of us here, especially after hearing that about you too, Randy. Where it's like, man, how how fortunate Tom and and Randy, you and I are. We had both of our parents in our households growing up, you know, and and parents that love us, still love us, you know, mm-hmm. and still care about us, you know, and um, that is a blessing from God that I think a lot of times a lot of us take for granted on yeah. most days, right? Let's yeah. just be honest about it. And we do. and so um, so no, I appreciate you sharing your heart in that way. I mean, it just shows the depth of the, the, of how much you understand hey not everybody not everybody grew up in this way yeah so tell us about a little bit about your childhood you talk about your yeah. family you know what what's a f- maybe favorite memory that you have growing up to um well a little more background first yeah. and we'll get to that uh my my parents once again were christians from a fairly young age um uh, uh they grew up, in, well, mom traveled a lot because of the nature of her father's work. Dad lived in Logan County, West Virginia, uh, when he was a young man. And uh, his father died when he was 12. And so he went, he had to drop out of school and go to work. Mm. He's still, he's one of the most intelligent people I, that I know. Wow. But he didn't have the opportunities that I had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And once again, I count myself very blessed. He's still a loving, even having dealing with all that, very loving man. Um, I lost him uh, about 20 years ago and mom about 30 years ago. So they've been gone a long time. Mm. But, uh, and I, I keep getting away from the story. They, after they got married, they spent some time one place or another in southern west virginia she was a teacher and he worked in quote the company store Mm. and he had an opportunity to go into business with mom's father they uh somehow or another he (laughs) i i don't know how i'm not sure i want to know (laughs) some of the stories i've heard about my grandfather anyway uh they had some land in that in webster county where i grew up and they opened a store and between you know the two of them, they opened uh, they opened the store Labor Day weekend in 1940. Wow! And um, but you know they were there for a while, and the thing they were missing was church because there was no 
Christian church, you know, if you know the term restoration movement, right. there was none of that in Webster County. Okay. So they attended other churches and, and you know, they just didn't feel the doctrine was right. They were, okay. They grew up, you know, knowing that church doctrine is important mm-hmm. and they've, they bestowed that on me and I feel that way too. And you'll, you know, you'll, f- that's one of the things whenever we are visiting churches, it's like, okay, what are you guys really teaching? Right. that's important. To me. Right. Yep. Anyway, so they started a church. Wow. Yeah. My, my parents were church planters before that was even a term. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. So this was the era of, you know, build it and they will come. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And they did. And wow. people did. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen pictures of uh, my brother as a toddler. He he was born in 1948. Okay. So this would have been like 1950. They were building the building that that became Glaview Church of Christ. Mm. And um, it was it was always small, uh, but by the time I came of age, it had uh, well the the local economy had crashed. Okay. Coal mining. Yeah. The coal mines closed. People moved away. And so I grew up with, you know, a, a church with an average attendance of about 12 and no preaching. Wow. We couldn't support a preacher at that size. Yeah. But we would have, mom and dad were very faithful. We would, uh, he would go, before I could drive, he would go down and fire up the furnace and make sure the building was warm and prepare communion and all of those sorts of things and we would have a song service and we would have communion and uh oh and we would uh we would use the standard quarterly lessons and wow we'd have sunday school the singing the communion and then we would go home and that was the church that i grew that's the church that i knew but what a wonderful example of just being faithful, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, being faithful and saying, "Okay, you know what? There's there's nothing here right now, and we believe that this is important, and people need the Lord, and they need a place to worship." And so, uh, you know what? I guess we got to do it, and mm-hmm. and they did it, and then they were faithful for. I mean, I'm just hearing that you know, yes. your dad waking up, going in, making sure that. The place was warm for people, and in, you know, and that means something. Servant heart. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Really so, what kind of a, uh, what was that like for you growing up, knowing that hey, this is what this is what we're doing? You know, uh, you're kind of like a pastor's kid right here. Like, what yeah, this is what kinda. we're doing? Well, um, it it was just the way we lived. Mm-hmm. It, there, I didn't see anything odd about it or anything like that. I just knew that <clears throat> we were all believers. Um, now, one of the downsides of being in a church that small is and not having preaching is I didn't hear the full gospel. Oh, wow. You know, I heard, you know, we, uh, I heard the standard lessons mm-hmm. and we would have people come in from the, the uh, uh, local Bible colleges, Kentucky Christian or J- right. JBC or one of those. Yeah. They would come in and, uh, you know, preach for us on the weekend. So we had some preaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, and there were some uh, very excellent lay ministers that came in and preached some too. But it wasn't all the time. And I just, I was, you know, probably 13, somewhere around there before I realized what was that was all about. So Randy, 
yeah, on that note, you're like, I, I didn't really hear the full gospel. What? So, so walk us through that. So then, okay, you're 12 or 13 years old, right? And explain for us that moment then mm-hmm. where you're like, this is this is when I met Jesus. Because yeah. we, we've had a lot of people, uh, and, and listener, um, if you've been listening to any of our episodes, you've kind of heard this kind of story uh, again and again people growing up in the church and they're like, ah, you know, I, I can't remember how many people, but uh, more than a few have been like, well, I wasn't like out on the street selling drugs. So I kind of, <laughs> and I grew up going to church. So I kind of feel like I've, I don't have this crazy story, but here's the thing. If you're listening to this right now, you may feel that as well. I, that's part of my story as well. And actually I know that's part of Tom's story and Randy kind of sounds like that's part of your story a I little know. bit where it's like, I grew up in the church. I kind of always had this idea of God, but there is a moment for each one of us where we say, oh no, I I have to make this decision to follow Jesus. Like, did, was there a moment like that for you, Randy, when you were just talking about the gospel? Like, can you like walk us through that? It was, um, we had someone preaching for us. Right. Uh, I don't remember who, uh, uh, but that's okay. Preachers are forgettable. Yeah. No. Well, <laughs> I, 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 actually, I'm not even sure about that. Oh, okay. It, it, it was a long time ago. Yeah. And well, don't forget, I said this is rural West Virginia. Right. We didn't have a baptistry in yeah. the building. Mm-hmm. We didn't have running water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because the building was only heated on the weekends. Right. It wasn't a community use building and it was, it, it, you know, that concept wasn't there back then. Yeah. So anyway, uh, there was a, a girl that was younger than, you know, a couple of years younger than me that, can, you know, they, we did have an invitation to him and I was starting to realize what that meant. You know, it was mm. within, you know, a month or so, it was like, oh yeah, now I kind of get what that means. But... She came forward, and uh, so we were all driving to a sister church an hour away. Right. You know, for her baptism, and I I came along with mom and dad, and we were going there because they had a baptistry. Right. Well, the baptistry was broken. (laughs) This was April in the mountains. So it was like a, 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 it was a nice, cool uh, 80 degrees, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, right. right. Yeah, take off the zero. (laughs) It was above freezing. It was probably about 50 degrees. So that water was cold. Well, we Oh, yeah, sorry. I don't want to jump ahead. It was a mountain lake. Oh, wow. Wow. And so, yeah, it was cold. Yeah. But that's also cool. But that, (laughs) in both ways. Yes. Yes. It's an experience, you know, I can still remember all these years later. Mm. Yeah. Um, Did you get hypothermia? No. (laughs) I'm just joking. Mom mom had faith in me. She brought a change of clothes. (laughs) Oh, really? She did? That's a good mom. Wow. She, she, she. And you, you hadn't decided that ahead of that day, right? No, I, I hadn't, but she, she knew I'd, you know, I, I don't remember if we'd been talking about it or, or what, but somehow I gave off signals. And so she brought a change of clothes for me. Wow. That's cool. Yeah, that was that's that's my mom. Wow. 
Okay, so you you go through with this, mm-hmm. and you decide to get baptism, or you decide to get baptized. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> but uh, did that make it an immediate impact in your life, or did you just continue to carry on with where you were? Pretty much the same. Okay. So, I yeah, I, I just carried on what I was doing. Okay, so continue to walk us through that then. Okay, you, you're now into your teenage years. Mm-hmm. What what role is God playing in your life at this point? Um, well, you know, I'm, I was trying to, you know, be a good Christian mm-hmm. like a lot of mm-hmm. you know, teenagers do mm-hmm. uh, without under, and didn't have a great concept of grace. Uh, okay. It, it wasn't that it was all works oriented but I still didn't have a good grasp on the grace of God. Explain that for us a little bit because um, just from your perspective, mm-hmm. Randy, because uh, you're not, you weren't alone in that. And I know a lot of people, and I could even say this for myself, that at times in my life, I'm not even, I am not even consciously thinking this, this, but it's how I act where it's like, Mm -hmm. I have to do this. I have to figure this out in my own power, in my own strength. And, oh, I've messed up again. Like, uh, and and it affects my relationship with God because I actually don't want to go to him because I feel like I have to fix it first before I can then go, hey, God, would you forgive me for this and confess my sins? That is not how grace works. That is not the gospel. That's not what Jesus did for us. And so, Randy, explain your perspective on that. It wasn't quite works-oriented because... No, no. I agree. I'm just resonating with that. It's... Mm. I'm sorry for the pause. I'm trying to think of the right words to say here. Oh, that's okay. Um, Tom and I say the wrong words all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I just said baptism. I just I don't up even. Baptism. Yeah, I don't even know what you said. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you use yeah, well because <laughs> at the time I caught it too. But um, as a you know, of course, I'd had this wonderful example of mom and dad and how they you know one minister once called it. You keep on keeping on, mm. and and that's kind of the model that I was using, uh, and you know, I, and it it held well for me. Um, when I went off to college, I I started college young. I won't say how young, but I was younger than most people. Okay, so a little less mature. Okay, um, but uh, and there was no. And you've heard me talk about campus ministry a lot, and we'll talk a little bit about that, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, when I went to WVU, there was no Christian church campus ministry. And WVU there. is? West Virginia University. Randy's favorite university in yes, the world. Absolutely. He's, we- he's wearing a shirt, he wears this. You'll, I know you are going to talk about this, but Randy wears a lot of West Virginia stuff, and I love the story behind it. Yeah. But Sorry, go yeah. ahead. So no, you were no, younger. No. I was... I'll say it. I was 16 when I started college. Okay, wow. nothing to be embarrassed about. You're just yeah. brilliant. That's yeah. well, what that means. Well, I, w- I was a late year baby. Okay. And I got an early start. Got it. Yeah, and, and there were some other things too. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was you know a good two years or year and a half younger than most of the other people on campus. And, um, you know, th- and that's, I wouldn't wish that on anyone else. Really? I really wouldn't. Just because... I wasn't that mature, you know, emotionally mature. Right. You know, I, you know, I handled things okay. And of course I'm, you know, I got through, 
but it would have probably been emotionally less stressful if I had, you know, a couple started, more years under your a belt. A couple more years under my belt. <laughs> but that's okay. I mean, this is the life that was handed to me, and I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've I've made the best I could with it. But anyway, when we went when I went to Morgantown, there was no campus ministry of uh, of the Christian Church variety, shall we say? Okay. Uh, there, there, there were some other things, and, and I know a lot of people are involved with crew and things of that sort. And back at that time, it was called Campus Crusade. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, that just wasn't my thing. Uh, of course, I'd grown up in this little tiny church, and I didn't know a lot. Of, I hadn't been exposed to a lot of that stuff. Right, right. So there was a, a church in a nearby town just across the state line in Point Marion, Pennsylvania, and I, you know, I would go to church there. Okay. How, so how did you get there? I, I had a car. Oh, you had a car. Okay. Yeah, my I was Tom. He's not that old. He wasn't using a horse, oh, no. man. <laughs> okay. I didn't know because again, I, when I went to college, I didn't have a I didn't have a car until my I think junior or senior year in high school. So I mean in college. So that's yeah. just because yeah. your parents oh. didn't trust you. Yeah, okay. Randy was sixteen, started college early, yeah. and his parents. Had, let him have a car. Well, or you bought one. Sorry, I don't no, want. To, yeah. my, no, my parents bought it. I, I, I was, I, I didn't. I wasn't that enterprising. Yeah. Um, but so, so you went. So you went to that church. I went to that church. Well, the, the deal there was, I'm, you know, I was a music major in college, and uh, I played in the university marching band. That's awesome. What wow. did you play? Trumpet. Wow, that's still awesome. Do, I still. Oh, by the way, help put in a plug. I play with the Prince William Community Band. We do several concerts a year, and we're doing one for Christmas on the second Sunday in December. Please come. <laughs> wow, man. Yeah, you got to give me details later because I, I would love to come see you play. Yeah, uh, especially our Christmas concert okay. is, is really good, well attended, and it's you know it's it's a great way to bring in the season. It really yeah. is. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, back to that. I was in the university band. And on those weekends, when we didn't have a game, we had rehearsals until six o'clock mm-hmm. on a Friday. Wow. Everybody else is going to be out of town already. They will have left after their class at two or you know one or two or whatever. Nobody's going to stick around until six. So when mom and dad found that out, says, we'll get you a car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can come home and, you know, so you can come and visit us when you can. Right. And that was a great blessing. Once again, a great blessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my brother was a little annoyed, I think. He was eight years older than me, and they didn't get him one <laughs> that early. <laughs> we joke, you know, it's nothing now, but it, uh, we joke about it every now and then. That wow. The Smothers Brothers kind of yeah. joking back and forth. Yeah. So, so were you then really involved with that church then yes. Through, yes, throughout the, throughout your entire West Virginia time? Yeah, um, um, yeah, the whole time I was there. It, um, I was there Sunday mornings, uh, sometimes Sunday evenings. Typically, not. They did have a Wednesday service. I don't think I went to that. Right. But I went to all the Sunday services and some of the Sunday, you know, the Sunday mornings. And some of the Sunday evenings, so I was involved. Hey, Randy, can you um, go back a little bit and talk? Uh, and I'm sorry if I missed it. I, I don't think I blanked. But um, would you would you kind of explain when you started getting that better understanding of grace and what that meant? Okay, that was after my college years. Oh, okay. All right. So okay. we're moving right along. All right. Cool. All right. Um, some. A friend of 
Debbie's at her work introduced her to this parachurch organization called Emmaus. Okay. Uh, it's a it's a weekend call it a weekend encounter with God. Okay. You there are lay speakers and there are ministry speakers. A total of uh, 15 talks over three days, five talks a day. Wow. And five of those talks are, uh, are are done by the ministers and they're all on grace, different aspects of grace. Oh, wow. Okay. And that's where it... And there's a lot of other things going on with Emmaus. And there are other... You know, I mean, there are other organizations like that, depending... Uh, Emmaus sprang out of a... Uh, uh, started as a Catholic thing, but then kind of became multi-church. Okay. And then there are other, you know, some denominations started their own. That's, and it's all the same basic concept, but it's, you know, that's where I learned, you know, a little more about grace. Mm. Until that time, you know, I, you know, I, I knew there was grace, you know, but it, it wasn't, I guess it wasn't personal. Mm. Wow. And that, you know, that was a real eye-opener for me. Randy, can, would you mind sharing a little bit? Like, why, why was that so... What was it that made it personal for you? Like, were there any of those facets of grace? Like, as they're talking and giving these 15 different talks or whatever, like, do you remember one that kind of really hit you? Um, well, and this was this wasn't one of the grace talks. This was one of the other talks. Okay. There was a guy. Uh, he, there are a lot of people there in servant roles. Okay. In addition to the speakers, there are a lot of activities that happen. Call them little surprises, if you will. That's that is essentially grace in action. Oh, okay. And uh, but one of those talks. Um, one of the talks, uh, the guy that did it, I'd seen him around, very nice, quiet, gentle guy. You'd, you know, very nice person, very, and I don't know what else to say. He was just a really nice guy, right? Right. He comes into his, into this talk. He's a full bird colonel, right? And he comes in with the full military uh, bearing and he's, you know, giving the, Colonel voice and all of wow. that. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and uh, what he said was, I was a junkyard dog. Mm. He was mean to everyone. Mm. And um, mean, to his mean to his wife, mean to the people who worked for him. He was just an, uh, he was an angry, you know, it was anger that drove meanness, right? And um, he said it went so far as he put out a contract on his wife. Oh um, my, wow. So he was really, really down there, right? Holy cow. He went, Well, that's a first for the podcast. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah. So he... Um, uh, I forget... I don't remember the details. I think he was TDY somewhere. And he was so upset. If I remember the story right, this was a long time ago. I heard this. 
he was he was ready to commit suicide. Mm. So, and when he was, you know, making his, somehow or another, he put his hand on a Gideon Bible. Mm. And it just stopped him. Mm. And this was, I mean, you, know, you hear about God at work in place, ways you don't expect it. Well, this yeah. is exactly what happened. Right. It's like, well, maybe I should read this because, you know, it, somehow or another, God got through to him and he sat down and he read that and he read, I, I believe it was Mark or not wow. Mark, John. Okay. John. But well, both are both are pretty good books. <laughs> yeah, but John especially where it yeah. talks about love. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. And uh, he said, I, you know, they just changed my heart. That is an amazing story that I'm sure Tom and I did not expect uh, no. to hear. But for everybody listening... And Randy, thanks for being vulnerable in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, like I know like you're <laughs> emotional about this, but he, here's what I don't want people to miss out on. I don't know where you're at listening to this right now. I don't know if you're folding your laundry. I don't know if you're driving home and you're stuck in traffic and you're angry at the person that just cut you off. But if you hear what Randy was just talking about and what this entire what this entire podcast is about, is how God has moved in people's lives and the story that he has given them. So here's this guy, and Randy, I don't know if you actually remember his name or not, but your first impression of this guy was, oh, this gentle guy, he's like serving in this role, comes in for this kind of special surprise kind of guest speaker, I'm just going to use that language, uh, for one of these sessions, full military outfit, and then tells his story and in, a, and in a big way, he told his three-chair story. He did. Who he was. I was a junkyard dog. I put out a hit on my wife. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. And then I was about to commit suicide. And this is what God did. This is where I met Jesus. Yeah. And for you, that impacted, that was for you a, oh my goodness, I am understanding grace a little bit more now and yes. what Jesus has actually done for me. Mm-hmm. and then how I'm supposed to live my life. Tom, you wanted to say something. Yeah, and th- this is, again, the power of us knowing our story so that we can be able to share it with other people. That's right. Mm-hmm. You know, Randy was moved by this person's story. He was impacted by this person's story. Well, still, and still is. Like, yeah. I mean, Randy, how many yeah. years ago was this? Like, just roughly? Um... 35 probably. Yeah. Sorry. And Tom, go, sorry, go no, ahead. Yeah. No, it was but, a long time ago, yeah. but I'm just saying it, was, it had a major impact on Randy's life. And that's why it's so important for us to understand our story so that we can be able to share that with other people that's right. and prepare that uh, for, for other people. Uh, and again, as Brennan just said, Randy is clearly moved here and we are moved just listening to Randy yeah, absolutely. And, and, and he's sharing. Okay. So let, let's continue the story down here, Randy. Let's move forward. Where, where are you at now? What, how has God made an impact in your life moving forward? And what is God doing in your life now? I, uh, of course, I know some things because I get to work with you. <laughs> right. Um, we, we work together at the church. But uh, talk to us a little bit about that, you know, and talk to us a little mm-hmm. bit about Debbie as well, your wife, Debbie, and sure. your family. So, yeah, how, how has God moved in that third chair? What's your life been like since you met Jesus? Well, um, 
there were a couple of other transformational moments around uh, along the way, and uh, one of those that you can very much relate to was when uh, I had uh, ulcerative colitis my, yeah. as a young adult. Which, if you don't know what that is, it's basically your intestines are super messed up. So. They, exactly. exactly. <laughs> That's the layman's terms. Keep yeah. going, Randy. Yeah, just yeah. total inflammation. And finally, the doctor said, Randy, that thing has to come out. Oh, my goodness. And uh, I fought that emotionally, and I put it off for two years. <sighs> when I finally you know, went up to see the surgeon... You know, I was still fighting it, and he he said, "Randy, with you, it's not a matter of if you're going to get cancer; it's a matter of when." Mm. And that you know, the light bulb came on. Okay, okay, we need to do this. And fortunately, there are surgeries out there that let me, you know, be somewhat normal in all of those fun things. Right, right. But when he did the, when the surgeon did the story uh, the surgery he said he told me afterwards i almost just sewed you back up they they found stage 3 colon cancer in three separate spots wow and um he told debbie you know uh, of course i didn't know any of this at the time he told debbie that she should prepare herself to be a widow and mm. she had a well, see, how old was Angela then? She was five. She was six, I wow. think. And yeah. the boys were uh, teenagers. So, you know, <laughs> my wife has a lot of faith. Yeah. Uh, even much more, much more than I do. And she said, she looked right at him and said, no, you're wrong. <laughs> you are simply wrong. <laughs> and fortunately, she was right. That was... Uh, 32 years ago. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> let me push pause there for one quick second uh, because uh, I think I've mentioned this. I'm sure I have, uh, at least to some degree on the podcast so far. I haven't shared my story yet uh, in an episode, but uh, f- fully. But when I was 33 and Randy was in his 30s, when he found out, I found out I had stage three colon cancer. And you never know how God's going to use these things that seem so messed up. You know, Mm -hmm. what Satan means to harm us, God means for good. And he can turn it into good. And uh, we had announced it to the church that I had cancer. And that, hey, in a few weeks, Brennan's probably not going to be around very much because he's going to be starting chemo. And Randy walked into my office, and I think it was literally the day before I started chemo. He walks in, like, follows me down the hallway. Church is over. Like, I'm putting my stuff away in my office. Randy follows me in. And I did not know you well, Randy, you know. Mm -hmm. And Randy goes, here's my card. Here's my story. You're going to make it through this. Mm -hmm. I've been cancer-free for 30-something years now. And I had already felt a peace about it. But in real life somebody being there to go, guess what, man? I've been down that road mm-hmm. and I think God's going to do something here and you need anything, you talk to me. And Randy has reached out multiple times on Sunday mornings where we're seeing each other in the hallway. Randy volunteers with us uh, for our online campus and, um, and I'm sure in other ways too. And Randy will stop me and be like, how you doing, man? Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's not just a, hey, man, what's up? How you doing? It's, no, no, like Randy knows, like you know, it's like Randy is like 
Brennan, how you doing? Like, what's what's going on? How's your health? And and I just know he means it. Mm-hmm. And that's another way that God uses us and our story to then minister to other people to yeah. show us how much he loves us and to show us his grace, like we're talking about. Yeah. Sorry that I, I pushed that kind of sidebar, but I think no, it's that's important. that's an excellent sidebar. Yeah, I, I think it's important for people to understand. You don't know how God's going to use your story. You don't know how he's going to use your pain for his glory. Yeah. The, the question is, is, are you looking for that? Mm-hmm. And are you willing to be faithful in actually following after him no matter the cost right that's the so so randy we're moving continuing to move in this third chair right mm-hmm. uh, how has god impacted what's your life been like since you met jesus so that was another huge point and continue if you want to do that or or i know there you said there was another transformational movement moment too there, well more uh, than one i'm sure but there were but uh tied into that very thing that right. you were just talking about um after I was through the surgery and the chemo and all of that stuff, I was, you know, I was still going in for regular checkups with uh, both with the surgical team and with my uh, uh, oncologist. Oncologist, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was talking to the surgeon one day, and I said, "Look, if you ever have anyone coming through who's you know, facing the same sort of thing I am." put me in touch with them. Mm. I'll be happy to talk to them. And he did. Wow. Yeah. And the, uh, the guy that uh, I met, I was working in Rosslyn in time and we met in Rosslyn for lunch. And uh, I don't know, I just felt led by God to say, well, I'll tell you this, God spared me. Yeah. And he wasn't ready to hear that because <laughs> mm. he was angry yeah, he was angry at the. He worked in the insurance industry and didn't like or trust doctors. Right, and here he was having to put himself, literally, in the care of a doctor that he didn't. He didn't want, and it was in a situation he didn't want to deal with. And right, he was, he was just a very angry guy. And I said, you know, you don't know what's got what God's got in store for you. But I told you, I'm telling you, he's, you know, there's no reason I should have survived this, but I have. Right. And it's, I give God all the credit for that. He spared me. He's got things for me to do. And I'm just waiting to see what they are. Yeah. And it turned out working with him was one of those. Right. Because I got a, a little while later, I got a call from the doctor asking if I could come over and visit him post-surgery. Yeah. And as I was coming in, I saw this lady leaving in tears. I didn't stop. I wish now I had stopped her and talked to her. But she was obviously very upset, and she was walking quick, and she just went right by me. Oh, wow. And then I went to the nurse's station where he was and told them who I was, and they said, oh, yeah, you are the only person besides family that's allowed to see him. Wow. When I went to the door, it had a big sign, suicide watch. Oh, my goodness. So I went in, had a chat with him, and... You know, he was still angry. He, he, I don't know, I don't remember, frankly, if he was still as angry and upset, but I, I could, it was still there. He wouldn't have been on suicide watch. Right. And I said, hang in there, my friend. It's going to get better. You're, you're at the beginning of, a, of, a, of an ordeal. Uh, his chemo was probably more intense but not as long lasting as mine. Okay. I was using the 
what was the old protocol 30 years ago. Wow. But, uh, you know, and we were in touch a few times after that, just following up with him, you know, because, uh, and he, he did, he came from an Episcopal background. So he was a person of faith. And um, I sent him cards, you know, uh, not a whole lot. I wasn't on top of him all the time. But then I started getting cards from him. He mm. was back active in his church. Mm. And he was, you know, it's like I was getting his correspondence from some other person. Wow. So there was another case where there was a transformation that happened. God got his hand on, God got his attention. Yeah. Sometimes God has to do that with us. He has to get our attention. Yeah, that's right. And in some ways it's not pleasant. Yeah, that's right. But, it, it reminds me of Hebrews, uh, and man, I'm going to paraphrase this because I can't remember the exact verse, but basically God disciplines those he loves. And sometimes mm-hmm. that's painful. But he also means it for good and for us to grow, you know, in him. Yeah. Tommy, yeah, I mean, I'm just listening to your story, Randy, and I'm just constantly re- being reminded and, and spoken to of people need believers to walk alongside of them, even if they don't want to acknowledge it at first, you know, they don't want to acknowledge it and they don't, but we need to be able to, one, again, like I said earlier, share our story, but be there to walk alongside of people, to share with them the gr- love and the grace of God. You being able to walk alongside that guy because you had a similar experience to him. And Brendan, I know your story too. Again, you've been able to walk alongside other people as well. It stinks to go through what you've gone through. Again, I, I will say this just with me and my divorce. I mean, I would not wish a divorce on anybody, but God has used that for me to walk alongside men who right. are going through divorces as well. We need to be able to stand by people and walk through life with them and share with them and remind them of the love and the hope of Christ. It's yeah. why it's so important to be able not only to sh- be able to share your story, but then be, be because maybe there's something similar that another person's going through. And there's many parts and many facets to our story as we're hearing with Randy, but to be ready to actually be the hands and feet of Jesus and walk alongside those people because they need that. And that might be the only example of God's love that they've ever experienced in their life. Right. Mm -hmm. And there, there's a, there's something tangible about that, that God also calls us to do. Right. Randy, as we wrap up uh, in the next few minutes, what, what is one thing, if you could say one thing to encourage uh, non-believers who are kind of that might be listening to this, and they or they just haven't made that decision to follow Christ yet. What's one thing that you might say to them? Hang in there. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, and th- this really goes to anyone who's going through a a, a time of struggle, whether you're a, a Christian or not. But you know, for the Christian, you know, you have that faith. You ha- and hopefully a community of of faith that you can lean on. Uh, there was another st- story there about people walking with you. Right. Ron and Marge Ferguson mm. walked by me when I was going through my divorce. Mm. Most people don't, or a lot of people don't know that I would, this is the second marriage for both Debbie and me. Wow, I, I, and, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. and um, you know that other transformational moment was when the woman I thought I was gonna spend my life with said, I want a divorce. Mm. Oh wow! And uh, Al Nestor was the guy that 
was one of the guys that, well, he was my counselor, right, my professional right. counselor. Yep. Um, but then uh, Ron and Marge were the people that were there with me, and you know they invited me. I had several meals over at their place. I was welcome to come anytime, and I took advantage of that because I was an emotional wreck. Oh, man. But, um, you know, with their help and with God's help and with Al's help, I came to realize that, you know, life goes on. There's, I'm not in, and that's the thing. You're not in control of the situation. Mm. You have, you know, you realize that there comes a point you put it in God's hands and sometimes it's not going to go the way you want it to, but sometimes there's something better. Right. Yeah. And it is so hard to see that at the time. There oh, might, there, it, yeah, it's, it, were you going to say it's impossible? Uh, it seems, <laughs> it seems impossible, right? Yeah. But there is, there is something out that God has something better yeah. for you. Yeah, we'd we'd gotten through the divorce, and of course, you know, I haven't hadn't seen her since. Uh, but then I noticed this lovely young woman who had two small children, and uh, you know, forty years later. Wow! Yeah, you know, we celebrated forty years of marriage this year. That's, well, congratulations, again, congratulations to you and you. Debbie. <laughs> what, a, just what an awesome, just testament to your faith. And I know there's been ups and downs, Randy. Oh, sure. You, you know, sure. Like, but these these pivotal moments of like, I'm gonna keep being faithful, and I'm gonna lean into this church community and these people who said, "Hey, come over whenever you want, or come over to our house for dinner, or you know, whatever that is." Um, and you're like, okay, I'm going to do it because I need this. You know, I need the help. I need the community. I need the, the love, right? Yeah. And, and, and God was showing that through people like Ron and Marge mm-hmm. and through uh, even seeking professional help, like counseling. It's a great thing. You know, I know there's a stigma around that for a really long time. And now people are like, oh, no, I need to actually go talk to somebody because yeah. I don't know what to make of my insanity, right? And... Uh, I would emphasize it's important that you come to some a counselor who has a Christian perspective. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Al, you know, Al was, I don't know how long he'd been in the business at that point, but, you know, Dale Jacobs, who was the minister at Central, which is where I'd been going and where Debbie and I met. Right. Um, he led me to Al. And wow. I, so it's, it's kind of funny. We started attending here and, Who's the counselor that everybody knows? Al Nestor. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> all. Awesome. That's right. Well, Randy, it was fantastic talking with you. And the reality is we've just scratched the surface oh, with you. I yeah. Mean, we're, we're only getting to some level of, of, of your life. And that's why I want to encourage you. If, you. if you enjoyed the podcast and you've got questions for Randy or for Brennan or myself, we really do want to encourage you to email us, the third chair at newlife.church. Email us. Brennan and I get those directly to us. We will be happy to respond and connect you because if this, if you want to know more and you got, you got questions or you're going through something like this, we want to be able to help you and kind of walk through this with you as well. So make sure you email us anytime. Keep on listening to it. Brennan, how, how else would you wrap us up? 
No, I, I just thank you for listening. And, and like Tom said, we scratched the surface with Randy. So don't be surprised if you hear him or a couple of people that we've interviewed before. If you hear them again, it's because Tom and I are like, whoa, there's more to that that yeah. we want to hear about. And so, Randy, thank you so much for being willing to do this. Uh, um, thank yeah. you. I mean, I can speak for Tom and I both. Like, so much stuff I didn't know about your story that just feels like a blessing to me and it encourages me and I hope you are encouraged yeah. you and Debbie um, because you guys have been faithful faithful servants at our church uh, and faithful followers of God and your example does not go unnoticed even if you feel like sometimes it does uh, and, and I really mean that so thank you guys so much to listening uh, we'll catch you next time on the third share <laughs>